Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Mace. Welcome to episode 153. I think it's 53. Yeah. I hope. You know, you know what it is. You clicked on it. You've already seen what number it is. You don't maybe, need to hear from us right maybe now. Maybe it's 154. It's 153 or 154. Yeah, we're gonna do scapegoating in a, f- a few weeks. Oh, yeah. I gotta get researching. <laughs> that reaction. I wish everybody could have seen this real time reaction. I'm like very excited. <laughs> <laughs> scapegoating. Uh, but tonight, this episode is called Holy Multiple. Mm-hmm. And just to prepare you all, uh, Mace is in grad school. And this is a topic that has risen to the top of the Merged. list of interests. For Mace and then vicariously through me. Yeah, no. Me. I, I posted in our Instagram also caption that you've just been dragged in this yeah, journey. But I love it. No, I know you're willingly being mm-hmm. dragged, but there's times where I'm just like, in this concept, in this concept, in this thing. And I think it's a little much. A side note, too, we were supposed to interview Kevin Garcia tonight. Kevin. And Kevin is a very important person and is doing something with the liturgists tonight. So I'm kind of jealous about that, Kevin. But. It happens. The, the goal is to interview Kevin next week. We and do not have as much of a following as, as the, the liturgist. <laughs> I understand that Kevin <laughs> wants to do that. Also, we are going to be uh, doing a live event with Kevin this summer. Which yeah, we I'm are. Kevin is going on a road trip, and they are calling it holy, fully wonder something. Wonder, wonderful, wonder, wonderful, wonderfully. Something like Made. that. Some sort of clever play on words. It is a play on words. And we are going to be at the Seattle show. We're going to be there, um, which is really cool. And it's going to be at the same place that we did our live show. Maybe outside. So we'll see. In a tent? We'll see. But check out at the Kevin Garcia to buy tickets. Bam, bam, bam. There it is. So should we just get right into it? I think we should Not get right dilly into dally, it. Dally? Yeah. Someday. What do you mean by holy multiple? What have I just clicked on? Okay. Well, side note, holy multiple. I, I do have an idea someday to do an episode as different people. Mm-hmm. And my suggestion was cheesy Nashville co-hosts. I, I don't know how a Nashville accent would sound. I have, I, I'm not talking about Nashville accent. Okay. I'm saying from, I'm saying I don't, I've never been in Nashville, but it does seem to be a hub of sorts. Mm-hmm for a lot of things that we find ourselves engaging with. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even, I'm talking about Nashville in quotes. There's a certain type of personality that is is like cheesy Christian professional quote unquote. And when they do their podcasts, it's, it is like to me for my personal preference and taste and my ears, as much as I listen to these podcasts for the content, that it they they are mostly sound very cheesy to me. Can you can you just take a moment to dabble in an impression? Yeah, please? yeah. So it's not it's not any like a southern accent. It's a personality thing. Okay. So let me let me try to get into a mode here. So I'll I'll just talk like I'm talking about our episode tonight. Wonderful. What is holy multiple? Hey everybody! Thank you so much for <laughs> tuning in this week. We got Mace here and Scott. We're so glad you could join us this week. Oh, we got so much good stuff. I'm so excited to tell you about it tonight. But gosh, you know what? First, we're just gonna take a. Uh, <laughs> no, you. I, I I didn't know what you were talking about, and as soon as you started doing it, I'm like, the the flood of podcast hosts got that are like it. that. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, yep, there it is. You tonight got we're it. Gonna, we got a great episode for you tonight. It's it's holy multiple. We're so grateful for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. 
<laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm like, is this how this person talks? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking how I talk. I'm like, are you giving me a podcast voice? <laughs> and and then it sounds like sometimes what I notice is like, it seems like a lot of heavy lifting on the front end to come in with that boppy. Right. And then it slowly fades into more casual conversation. Well, so what people will do is they'll get like a quote unquote producer and that producer will open up the show mm. and they'll be like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not, uh, let me just say, I'm not talking, I'm not talking trash because I listen to these podcasts and like them, but I'm talking about like Ian Morgan Cron as we a producer. You knew the it was Ian Morgan And I'm talking Cron. about Don Miller, <laughs> you know, and it's like the, this producer comes in the beginning. He's like, hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in this week. Thanks for tuning into the Business Made Simple podcast with Don Miller and Kula Callahan. <laughs> this week we got this, but check it out. And, and we say our... Uh, we say business is like flying an airplane, and this week we're taking a look at the cockpit. So zip in, sit in, and zip on in, and, and you're like, okay. okay <laughs> Why I- do I have to be talked to like this? But <laughs> it would be fun to try to get into this mode of like you and me talking to each other that way for an episode. <laughs> I, this, this sounds stressful, honestly. I know that. Or maybe I, maybe I'm a guest that talks that, that way, talks like and you that. interview me. Well, I have. I know that I think I have between the two of us a tendency to accidentally get into some kind of talking mode with the mics, especially with the headphones, yeah. which we are, we've, we've moved past. We didn't have headphones to begin with. Then we moved to headphones and we're now back out of headphones. And I think it makes for a better podcast. Well, the, the, these mics might be a little better for podcasting or these microphones. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. You sometimes can all of a sudden out of nowhere be like, thank you for listening to no small thing tonight. Tonight we'll be talking about holy other. I'm like mace. <laughs> Hello, Sarah Koenig, Who are you talking over your to? Body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about holy other tonight, everybody. Are you, oh, holy multiple. Holy multiple, which I guess includes holy other. So Scott had this idea of him explaining it. it what I'm doing is explaining it as a layperson. You're a step ahead of me from your research, even though you want it to be known that you're also somewhat of a layperson. Full lay person. Yeah. I would like to say full lay person. Okay. Laying as a person. <laughs> but I mean, okay. I, I, I don't know what this says about me, but I tend to rush into ideas. If it, if it resonates and sits with me, I don't need a ton of, Mm-mm. I know I don't need this checked out by a lot of people. I mean, but the people we've been listening to talk about multiplicity mm-hmm. uh, are all like PhD, uh, you know, master's degree, licensed therapist types. So these aren't like randos on the street that are just spouting off. Although that's also good. But yeah. Also, I feel like I feel like the this concept resonates. And then also, I've gone on to find scholars who are talking about it. Yeah, and we're curiosity curators. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so. This seems like we're on the hunt for things that can help us get curious. Yes. And this seems like a big, big, big one. This seems like a new emerging theme of, well, because holy multiple is in many ways just this idea of multiplicity. And multiplicity seems like the embrace of that, a game changer in terms of lesser and more curious. Okay. There it is. Yeah. No, I mean, today I was like, this is everything. I mean, this could be, this to me maybe is the new Enneagram. For us, multiplicity. Be, multiplicity. It's like another multiplicity episode, another guest, another idea, another practice, another. For sure, for sure. Because yeah, we could. I mean, it, it honestly will. It will unfold. Multiplicity will unfold in our every five episodes doing like psychology ones because we've already done object relations, which 
is very in line with multiplicity. Yeah. And then I really would like to soon do internal family systems. I'm sorry. We can't do that one. Sorry. I might have to no, quit and make a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Here, everybody. I, I, we're already eight minutes in, so I'm sorry. We, we got, we're having too much fun. But here, 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 here. Maybe you already understand what we're talking about. We've already done an episode on multiplicity. But I, I, it was sinking in a little bit more today. As Mace, Mace called me this morning and read me their paper. Yeah, I which did. Which was very interesting. And then I listened to a podcast. And we've been talking about this. So this is a lay person, hopefully, because you're like, if you're listening, you're like, what the heck are they talking about? Um, first of all, we're not quite sure, but we're on to something here. So here, here's how I'm understanding it. We have our brains. This guy today was talking about the way modern people think about their brains as like a citadel. Mm-hmm. And I think the way he was talking about it is like a castle mm-hmm. that you're the ruler of. Mm-hmm. And so everybody... I want, I, if you're listening, I like the idea of closing your eyes okay. and imagining, you know, imagine a, a castle with like a moat mm. and, and guards and, and, and a fortress, you know, and, and then you're, you are loving this. Image. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is how I think people maybe, maybe think about their brains without, cause once they were naming it, I was like, I probably do kind of think about my brain that way, mm-hmm. you know, and we're sort of in control of what comes in and out and, and the thoughts and, and there's like a, we're either a boss or a manager or, uh, you know, the warden or the king or the queen or the ruler or something. And, and we are managing this fortress, you know. And in the midst of this brain thought, there's, a, there's also a belief, it seems, from society that there is a self that's in charge of all this you know, and we are all talking about the self, myself. And, and to a certain extent, maybe what I've thought about in terms of becoming an adult, quote unquote, (laughs) am I adult? I'm 41. Am I, uh, is, is you're sort of chasing after this self and maybe there's a myth or an assumption that becoming mature or becoming an adult or becoming grown up is finding that self and, making it cohere and, 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 and being able to sort of like know yourself and then present that self, uh, very consistently and faithfully to the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So there it is. There's what we think it, or maybe that's what many people walking around the world think about subconsciously or unconsciously without really thinking about it, about their brains, trying to find, trying to find the true you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And show the world the true you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And so I feel like what Mace and I have stumbled upon sort of accidentally, but obviously intentionally because you're going to school <laughs> and researching things, but something that's not being talked about is this idea of multiplicity. And so the idea that there's maybe infinite selves, it's not even just like 10, mm-hmm. you're, you're constantly shifting and we actually don't have as much control as we like to think in terms of what comes in and out of our brains. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, conversations, relationships, society, and then even the crazy thing, listening to this podcast today, the therapeutic context is trying to shut down any sense of multiplicity. So the person today was talking about like, as a therapist, like not wanting this other quote unquote personality to enter to the room because that's, that's like poor mental health. That's like dangerous, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. 
this is not a good explanation, but the way the the lay person in me is understanding it now currently is maybe it's healthier to acknowledge that there isn't some sort of mysterious single self that is completely understandable, identifiable, you can't articulate that. Um, There's many, many, many selves inside of us that can be talked to and attended to and brought forward and we can create a society where that isn't where that's invited and and we can be curious about that in each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, how's that so far? I think it's great so far. <laughs> okay. I think that's it's the great. premise of where we're going. I hope I hope people are like sort of thinking that's making a little bit of sense. I think it's making sense. Okay. I think it's making sense. Did you want to say more? No, that's very nice that you let me do this meandering little description because it's it is like it's like that thing of people say you you get something when you're able to teach it and I don't I wasn't teaching it necessarily but that's my first time I've ever tried Your to explain this trying concept. to explain what this yeah. is yeah and I think for me the way I the place I'm at right now is is appreciating how how sort of like honestly the way I'm approaching this now is like almost like a religion like I feel like this could save the world yeah this is this is everything in a way yeah. You know, so it, I think last time we were talking about sort of playfully in terms of like self-expression and um, art and curiosity. And, and yes, like there is I am multiple. And the last time we talked about we did the other within the other within specific thing. Yeah, so that was also like looking mostly in, interpersonally in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like how 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 coming to realize our own multiple selves helps us see the multiple selves in the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Right. That was that was like the premise. We were yes. we were looking at multiplicity in terms of how multiplicity serves us in our relations to others. Yeah, we were saying if I can invite this sort of unsavory element of myself and make room for that, I'll be able to do that to yeah. other people too. But yeah. this is this is even this is expanding that idea. Right. This is this is like almost like the seed of it. Yeah. This is we we kind of we kind of jumped the gun. Yeah. Like that <laughs> we we and that was that was an episode where we talked about a specific chapter from a, an entire book that is a theology of multiplicity yeah, yeah. that's exploring a theology and psychology of multiplicity. So w- where should we go from there? Well, I'll, I want to say a few things. Yes, so please. I want to name now, a few now things I'm going to uh, <laughs> about the podcast that you were referencing. Cause I think it just might be helpful to know what framework that person's talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so please. that podcast, I, I kind of want to look up and see the name of who it was talking to because um, he's working out of the framework of, and I've mentioned this, and I'd like us to have an episode on this, internalized family systems, which I just want to pause and feel like we can just almost explain that for a second because it might be helpful. Because they kept saying that in the episode, IFS, IFS, IFS. And IFS, I'm like, oh, yes. I, which I don't know what that is. IFS is super freaking sick. Yeah. Um, I'm really into it. And, okay, let me see if I can get this to tell me who it is with the episode name is so long that I can't see this guy. Multiplicity name. and psychoanalysis with somebody. It's multiplicity and psychotherapy and beyond is what it's okay. titled. I posted this on our podcast Instagram like a week and a half ago, and I was like, "Everyone listen! Everyone listen to this." Um, Maybe one person did or something. Someone did, and someone DM'd me and was like, "I'm about to. My therapist and I are about to engage in internalized family systems." Okay. Okay. So, to briefly explain what internalized family systems is, is. There is, and this actually is helpful in understanding multiplicity, I think. You have to kind of pull the camera back and look at family systems approaches to seeing the world and people. Hmm. So ecological slash family systems approaches is kind of this idea of, and, and this this episode is going to come heavy on therapy and sure. that being a lens in which we 
approach. I think, these I think people are already sensed that. Sense <laughs> that that's happening. Um, so like in terms of an ecological family systems model, that that was really formative in terms of therapy of moving out of it's kind of like this field that says when a patient comes to you, they don't come to you isolated. They right. come to you within a family system. Yes. And so someone who works out of an ecological family systems approach is going to say, well, you are coming to me and you're, you have a brother and you have a sister and you have parents and you have children and you have these people in your life. And I don't approach you as an individual. Yeah. I approach you as a piece within a system. Yes. I approach you in the entirety of the wholeness. I see you in your cultures. I see you in your family and the therapeutic process. Uh, someone working out of that approach would potentially say, let's bring in the family. If they're seeing something coming up with you that is not necessarily just tied to you as an individual saying, no, let's bring in the family. Let's approach the entire family. Gosh, I, I let's just pause for a quick second and have uh, just, just the, <laughs> the processing, I guess we're doing like, chewing on what you just said. Yeah. Like the thing that comes up for me is I think what they were saying today is sort of the, at the end of this podcast, they're talking about like this, this sense of global mental health, like being people that are offering something beyond just the, you know, one-to-one psychotherapeutic context, you know, and uh, how could we, yeah. Anyways, Right. I mean, it's like, you know, just to look at like an example of I'm doing a lot of research around looking at suicide prevention. Yeah. And I'm trying to look at it in the lens of not looking necessarily of saying, how do we look at individuals and provide prevention in terms of things like access to means or individual therapies, but rather wonder what other preventative measures need to change in our systems to be preventative because individual care while important can't be the only thing mm-hmm. and, and probably shouldn't be the primary thing. It, it's, it's, we're looking at symptoms symptoms of a greater system. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're talking, I just, you know, again, we're spouting off right here, everybody, but this is a conversation you listen to. So like what comes up for me is this idea of like the myth of the individual. And I, and it seems like particularly, t- particularly bad in America. Uh, you know, and I could just sense a little part of me, oh, multiplicity, a, a, a certain part of my self get slightly defensive, slightly is very su- su- subtle in the back of my brain somewhere. But I could also picture people that I know getting defensive about that. Like, well, let's bring in the family and you're, you're, you're a located person, in a particular context, your society, your upbringing, your school, your family, your friends. And it's like, people just want to be like, no, I'm not. I am an individual. Mm-hmm. No, I, I am not impacted by any of that. I am a free thinker, yeah. you know, so do, why would we need to bring any of that? But what I think, I think what that does is create a lot of um, stress in people oh. to try to live up to that standard of this free thinking, autonomous human being who's completely cut out from community and, and to make, to sustain that. I think it's kind of stressful. <laughs> right. Well, and it's just simply not true. Like I think I, I, I hear the defense of this and I think it makes sense. It makes sense in a lot of ways in that we do live in, you know, we're, we're located in North America mm-hmm. and 2021 and there still is the myth of the individual. There still, I mean, we're, we're in late stage capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like capitalism itself is wanting to see individuality. Yeah. You, you yourself can 
find success in you know capitalism. It's it's it. There's there's all of this theory and myth around the individual finding yeah. yourself. Yeah, and it's it's very sad because it, it does it cuts us off from our heritage. It cuts us off from each other. Which when we cut ourselves off from each other, we are also cutting ourselves off from ourselves in many ways. That, that's why I think. I mean, now I'm really just spouting off here. I guess this is the whole podcast, but I do think of this idea of, or this image or this prevalent fact of, you know, white violent men, you know, and maybe that's part of this thing of, I mean, really, I'm just pontificating here. It's like everybody has their own mental health issues. If you're going to go be violent somewhere, Mm -hmm. trying to use soft language here, but um, it requires dissociative states. D- that's a better way of saying it. Oh, yeah. See, you're, I love how you're going to become better at saying these things than <laughs> I am. Yeah, to, 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 I, I feel like to enact harm on the other, there, there is a certain amount of dissociation and dissociate, like cutting off mm-hmm. from humanity that's happening mm-hmm. um, in order to perform acts. And then like also this, this mentality that we're sort of cut off and separate justifies a lot of strange things. Like, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge white privilege or something like that because or like have any acknowledge any sort of participation in a system that you know privileges white people they're like well i didn't make this system i didn't do it i it's like well you're part of it no i'm not i'm just me separate from all context and history you know like no no sorry good try <laughs> yeah um yeah did you have more to say no okay well i was going to well okay so going back to explaining ifs yes because just because there's a piece of me that just wants to explain it for the sake. The person of, comes in and they're bringing their family and the therapist. Right. So, so there's like this big, this big like shift in terms of psychology and uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Bateson. Bateson. Bateson was a key, like kind of like introduction voice. Bateson's really like in a key voice in terms of like ecological approaches. Okay. Everything is related to Like everything. that ecological. And so then there's this new field that's developed out of this guy, uh, Richard Schwartz. I think that's how you pronounce his name. This isn't a test. You um, don't have to and, <laughs> get the names right. And he has developed this system, internalized family systems, that is essentially taking the theories of ecological family systems approaches or in like systems thinking and says, yes, that's true. And then also within you is a system and a family. Yeah. So when you approach a client from an IFS standpoint, you are not approaching a single person. You are approaching a family of parts. Yes. And IFS splits it into like kind of three categories of parts, which are you have exiled parts, which are considered these parts that you don't seem to have access to. Hmm. They're exiled. You cut them off. And then you have these other two parts which are firefighters and managers and firefighters. Oh, right. He, they were talking, they were using this language today in that podcast. I was like, I kind of know what you're talking about, but not really. Exactly. I mean, they, they make sense. Firefighters. It's like they, they rescue you from the flame yeah. of emotions. Yeah. So when they come, the firefighter, when, when something comes up in you, Ooh, I already is, like this. Yeah. That is distressing. A firefighter comes in and says, put that out. We'll <laughs> escape. We're going to get you out of here. Yeah. And the exiled part gets left behind and cut off. Hmm. Or you have these other parts, which are managers, which they come in and they say, nope, that can't happen. I got to keep the ship going. I got to yeah. keep going. All these things. Yeah. And so inside of us, we have 
these managers and firefighters that are working very hard mm-hmm. to to keep us at ease mm-hmm. and in the process exiling parts of ourselves banishing banishing yeah. yeah so an ifs approach would be to say you come in and instead of like looking at the negative heavy quote parts and wanting to get rid of them it says no let's really tend to them let's talk to them let's mm-hmm. like you literally in an ifs like session you literally like talk to the parts you're like yeah. ask them what they're feeling talk to it, have it respond and then check That sounds in. great. That and sounds then if something else comes in, like a thinking part comes in, okay, why do you think, like, what's that thinking part? And let's talk to the thinking part. And what's the thinking part oh. trying to tell to you? And then you have the thinking part talk and then, okay, thank you so much. Is there anything else you need to say? And if the thinking part has something else to say, thank you. Okay. We're really trying to get to this other part. So would you mind waiting in the waiting room? <laughs> I love we'll this. We'll come back to you yeah. later. And you kind of do this until you, you get to that exiled part. And then there's this theory of like the capital S self comes um, in. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because we're like, what is the self? Right. Like, what is that to say? But in IFS, there's kind of this idea that there's this compassionate, curious, caring thing that arises that sees the exiled part. Oh, yeah. It allows the exiled part to become unburdened. And then at the end of the session, you invite those other parts to come back in. You say, firefighters, come, come back in. in. Take a look at this, you know, this young child that was bullied. Take a look at this and see, he's, he's okay, actually. Dang. And the firefighter is like, he is okay. Mm. And then you talk to the firefighter and you say, what other role might you want to have? Oh. Because you don't just disappear. Oh, you're fired, firefighter. Exactly. It's what? like, you don't just disappear. Yeah. It's like, maybe what, what else can you do? Yeah, that's and great. You, and you, you talk to that and you say, what could it do? Mm. And so the, the whole theory behind it is, is creating communication between the parts as opposed to trying to get the parts to all become one. It's no, they are separate. They're doing different things. They have roles and let's have them talk. Let's have them. Let's like, let's do family therapy with the parts inside of yourself. Yeah. I love something that they said too today of, of saying whatever this word means. And then this is why we could do so many episodes moving forward. It's like, as you know, just through your paper, approaching this through psychology, through math, <laughs> through spirituality, and mm-hmm. looking at all the different ways spiritual disciplines and practices and traditions have engaged with this over the years. But I think one of the things I really liked about what they said today is the self, maybe that was the word they were using for it, is like the sun. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, storms and all sorts of crazy things can come through. And then when the sun comes, the sun isn't in any way tainted. It's just still the sun. It's just mm-hmm, pure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that self or, or that thing that's underneath the surface of all these experiences and memories and interpretations comes back and mm-hmm. it's still there and it hasn't been hurt. It, it is not, it doesn't become damaged. Yeah. It's not damaged. Yeah. That was, that was really nice. Cause, cause there's a way we need to be empathetic with each other and say, you have been damaged. You have been hurt. And there is also another element to you somewhere that resides inside of you that is okay. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I know. I was I was really moved by that of mm. this sense of there's an unburdened essence there. Yeah. That that is that that exists and it's getting access to that and finding that piece of you that actually isn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Which is not like it's not to say there isn't you aren't hurt, but also to hold on to the truth of and you're okay. Yeah. And yeah. and we can find that. Yeah. And that's there in the midst of this. 
this Whew. is so funny that we've done this because I didn't write about IFS in my paper and I was choosing between will I go object relations or IFS to explain you went IFS and I chose for my paper object relations but tonight I've chosen IFS has now you said internal family systems mm-hmm. but then you said ec- ec- ecological family systems yeah so uh, are they sort of interchangeable no internal family systems is is like it's kind of a, a child of Okay. It's internal internal family systems. Like it's literally what it's saying is there's family systems approaches. That's oh, just like therapy where you are literally literal working families. with families. Got it. But internal family systems is saying, hey, inside you, yeah. there's a family. Okay. So we're gonna use the same a lot of the similar principles that we've been using with family therapy and apply them to the individual because the individual <laughs> is also a family. This is so fun. I <laughs> this is like the spirit of the podcast. It's like there's sometimes I, ha- I, I arrive at this feeling and it happens a lot, of course, with us and doing these things of, of, of thinking, how could anybody be bored in the world? <laughs> but the thing is, is that to a certain extent to get to this curious state, which is what we're interested in thinking about, how do you even get to the curious state? Something has to be opened up for you. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you have said multiplicity, I'm like, yeah, I get a multiplicity. There's lots of people that reside inside of us, blah, blah, blah. But the more you start to explain it, it opens up and gets so much more complicated. I'm like, this is just one little topic that we could just go all in on. And, and then also it has so many really cool implications for your own mental health and thriving and life and people. (laughs) I'm saying the obvious, but no, I know. I mean, it is, it's, it's like, Oh yeah, you're, you combine multitudes and it's like, yeah, you could be like, I do. But I think something that you and I both are even running into of like, the implications of this are really powerful mm-hmm. and big. Mm-hmm. It is it is kind of a shift in framework mm-hmm. because I think as we knew even before, there was I I came into wanting to do therapeutic work with this sense of I'm gonna find myself. Ah, right. And I have come to see that that is not the case. Yeah. Like we are and I think this is something that emerged in my paper is I tried to explore multiplicity through like three lenses and one of the lenses was the sense of the more you come to know, the more intimate you come with your multiple parts, the more parts get exposed and the more mysterious you are. That it's, it is not like a, like you're saying, it's not like, oh, I've got 10 parts and I'm going to find them. It's, it's, we ourselves are infinite. And so our multiple parts are infinite. Yeah. We, we, we contain multitudes. And I think even in the, the idea of multiplying, it isn't like addition. <laughs> I know. It's like we're going so out it's, there. It's multiple. Because now it sounds like space or, you know, the universe. Or well, exactly. So, I, I, I mean, I, I, I worked with this. One of the authors that was a key author in my paper was this person, Catherine Keller, who does process theology, mm-hmm. which I've been talking to you a lot about process theology. Oh, that's another episode someday. Which is essentially like this theology that's, that is looking at the universe, looking at things like quantum physics. Yeah. Looking at string, string theory. theory. Yeah. Looking, looking at the Quirks. unfolding of the universe, and I, I think this is this is the way I approach things. Of like, we ourselves are the universe, yeah. and the universe is in us. And what we see reflected in the cosmos is is also in us. Yeah, like we look to the earth, we look to nature, we look to what's happening, and that also tells us what's happening inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And like even just the idea that the universe itself is expanding. The universe is unfolding. The universe <laughs> is mysterious. The universe <laughs> is in process. Yeah, yeah. We no. ourselves 
are also expanding. <laughs> we are unfolding. We are in process. Yeah. Th- that makes me feel giddy. I, I know how it makes other people feel anxious, you know? Yeah. Um, some people could listen to that and feel anxious, but to me, it just feels like permission. To me, it sounds like a big permission slip. Right. To, to be more curious, to not be so... One of the words they used today was brittle. I like these words. You know, you said the word supple today. It's like... Yeah, it, you know, the the theory or the belief or the assumption that there is a single individual self residing somewhere inside us that we need to uncover, they said is brittle, meaning mm-hmm. it crumbles at the slightest touch. Yes. You know? Yes. It doesn't feel like alive and organic and dynamic. Uh, and it's really interesting as you were talking too, because I'm just thinking about <laughs> this. This just sends me off into thinking like, first of all, everybody, we have no substances with us, but but oh. sometimes no small thing conversations can sound like you're smoking something, but it is like <laughs> um, this idea of, of branding, which is so prevalent, and, uh, you know, our Instagrams, and even us thinking about our color scheme and our branding and, and wanting to have, like, sort of a reliable brand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then making yourself the person into a brand. Mm-hmm. And then there's even this thing that we're not really even into, but I know we're sort of dipping our toe and heading in this direction, you know, the people that we might consider sort of thinkers or influencers or people that are having a career saying things, you know, and not wanting that traditional nine to five, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Um, But yeah, there's this idea of like, Oh, I have a well-established brand and, and, you know, certain people say, well, I write this way and I write these types of books. Well, don't write something else because that's not part of your brand. And you're like, oh gosh, like I've really got backed myself into a corner here. I'm obviously more than there's this brand that I've created for myself and I want to write different types of books. And I mean, honestly, I guess another thing that comes to my mind is Kanye in his early days. It's like shock, shocking when you hear a story, just how it was like five years of him making these hits as a producer and all the people being like, you're not a rapper. And he's like, I'm a rapper. And people are like, yeah, you're a producer. You're not a rapper. And he's like, let me rap for you. Here's a rap. And they're like, no, you're not a rapper. He's like, I am a rapper. And people are just like, you're not, you're a producer. And he's like, I am more than just this. And then he's like, of course, I also make shoes and I design. And he's like, Kanye does everything now. But like, it was just this desire to be not branded as just a producer. It's like, I can also do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, it's bringing up for me the sense of like, I want my brand to be, I'm going to change. Yeah. Like my brand is. Heads up. Heads <laughs> up. There's, and I mean, I think this is even emerged in like, for us and even the Enneagram of like, we've allowed that to emerge of like where we dabble. That was really important to us. It still, it still is like, it still holds huge meaning to us. And also we're at a different place. Like in the coming to know we, things became more unknown Mm -hmm. in, in, in the intimacy with the Enneagram, it became more mysterious. Dang. And that's unfolding. And And our, our our episodes really do articulate some multiplicity because it's like a shifting interests and you know oh hugely people really would have a hard time saying exactly what it is that we're trying to do on this podcast right right well i think that's this kind of fun thing of like so there i think there's a lot to be explored and i think this is the thing of like i'm trying to write a paper on multiplicity was a freaking it was a bananas job to try and do because it is it's like well how do you write about i i'm like 
my my professor kept being like, "You've got to pick like three things, Mace." Like, because I'm just like, what? "It's a swirl. It is a swirl." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it's a swirl because it, my the concept is a swirl. Yeah, yeah. Like my I, my concept itself is not is not easy to understand. So how do you make that? Three bullet points." Ten pages. Well, yeah, I mean, she was. Piece she was statement. like, "Please pick." You know, <laughs> yeah. I like you got to have these. You got to pick three points. And one of the points that I I dove a lot into is that a multiplicity does imply uncertainty. It yeah. implies curiosity, yeah. which was fun to explore because I'm like, it's no small thing. It's no small thing. Um, I'm trying to find a quote that would be fun to read. Yeah, look around, and I'll talk while you look around. Perfect. Um, yeah, I think. I, as, I mean, we've already sort of t- rounded the corner towards like opening up the conversation. I feel like we, we got into some meat or juice or whatever metaphor you want to use mm-hmm. <laughs> and we could obviously keep talking. We're not winding down quite yet, but I am. We're going to int- try and keep this one to an hour so yeah. as not to overwhelm. Yeah. I am interested in, in sort of the practicality of it all, like the day in day out living with these thoughts. And I've also, I don't know what makes, this whole thought just makes me a little sad um, just in the sense of just how much excommunicating we're doing to ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. We're just like, that's unacceptable. That gets kicked out. That gets kicked out. That gets banished. You know, I mean, I literally think about somebody being sent out to the hallway in school or something, but it's like that whatever is happening for you here is not acceptable. Go outside, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's just, that's just how we treat each other. Right. Well, I think that there's this interesting thing where we, we, what's the word I'm looking for? We prioritize or we place value on certain parts of the self mm-hmm. and diminish and cut off other parts mm-hmm. and heavy quotes, intolerable parts. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the thing that is the, it's like the fascinating piece. It's like, well, the more you push down and try and like, box in the intolerable parts, the more they're going to slip out in ways that are unhealthy. Right. right. Like they're not going away. Yeah. You, I, it's, I think this is a secret piece. ways, it's secret ways, unconscious ways, slipping out all kinds of things. It's to me, I'm like the, just embrace that it is yeah. because that seems better than pretending it's not. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, it would be hard to convince me that there we didn't exist as multiple. Anymore, oh, but you know? also we're we're sort of um, rewarding people that maybe somehow mm-hmm. uh, are able to. I don't know what I want to say here. Like, discover something that worked for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could say probably, you know, generally speaking. Well, I don't know. I'm going to hold back on saying that. But uh, <laughs> um, we tend to reward people that have the brand and the personality and the thing figured out. And, of course, oftentimes you hear about these secret lives. Certain people have been leading, call them movie stars or leaders or, you know, politicians, whatever. But, um, yeah, we're doing something as a society. We're, we're really uh, rewarding mm-hmm. that, uh, like, sort of, I guess aggressively would call it, like, toxic. Uh, I don't know. We're rewarding something that's maybe not so healthy for the individual or right. the, the it, a person. It's, it's, and it's this thing of where it's, it's not only is it unhealthy for the individual, but it's also unhealthy for, which I think is another piece of multiplicity is this idea of 
multiplicity extends out Mm -hmm. and extends into. So I think there's, there is, there are people who I think go by, live their entire life and die and never confront the exiled parts and don't feel like they need to. And whatever heavy quotes get by. And yet I think that that is the folks like that are burdening other folks Mm. because to do that requires like, was naming dissociation. Yes. It requires yes, yes. not being in the real. And that allows a space in which if if you're not working within the multiplicity of yourself, it does seem to me that you're it starts and ends with you kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like if you can't do it with yourself, you're not doing it with the world. Yeah. You are not holding the world. You are also cutting off pieces of the world and allowing yourself to turn your eye away from violences, anxiety. Mm. So it's like what you do to yourself and your inner world is reflected back and how you're able to engage with the heavy quotes real world. Oh man, it really does make certain folks, because I, I already have like a paranoia that talking like this, you can sound like, I guess when you question systems or traditional ways of thinking, it can make you sound like a paranoid conspiracy theorist or something you know do you think we sound like conspiracy theorists mm, no <laughs> but i don't personally but i think certain people could think that, that like you know i think certain people are like hey um I, I, certain people that i actually really actually truly engage with on a pretty regular basis i think have this operating assumption that like hey the world came up with some pretty good ideas uh, one of them is christianity another great idea is capitalism another great idea is uh, the minimum wage. I mean, another great idea is Republicans and Democrats, you know, whatever it is. Whatever, yeah. And the idea isn't to come up with new ways. The idea is to do what has been come up with better. Like, right. let's just, let's just rock capitalism. Let's just do it really well. And the reason any, there's suffering in the world is because we're not doing capitalism very well. So let's just do that really well. And you're like, oh yeah, but also maybe capitalism is actually causing a lot of pain and suffering. And it's like, excommunicated. That's how I feel sometimes. I mean, there's, there's people that come up out of the woodwork on Facebook. Sometimes if I just mention capitalism, I'm just like, Hey, maybe capitalism isn't perfect. I don't say it like that, but like, it's just like all of a sudden people are coming to capitalism's defense. I'm like, why why are you so invested in this? And it's like, I can understand it feels threatening, but also can't we just at least have a conversation about it? Right. Right. Well, exactly. I think that there's, you know, we're we're wondering all what's the practical applications of this. And I think, I think there is, I think you're naming it. I think there's an initial tear that comes with this that maybe is in one of my friends wrote a paper on, because this, the, the, the question of this paper is what is human being fully alive? And she wrote this idea of embracing tear. So there's this interesting thing of like, this does bring tear as you're naming. Yeah. There, it it opens everything up. It is less clear. Mm-hmm. Like to say, hey, inside you is a dynamic system of parts that is always dancing and changing, and each part in themselves is unfolding and mysterious, <laughs> and they are interacting this with each other. Tonight, and then like. also that's happening in the world, and with each person that you interact with, yeah. they are a matrix of parts. Like <laughs> all of a sudden, you're like, where is the constant? Yeah. Where is stability? Yeah. This is terrifying. Yeah. And that's true. Like to to embrace this, 
is to also embrace terror, mm. is to embrace the uncomfortable, is to embrace the the fluidity and certainty and rigidity and all these things are really great for surviving. Yeah. But they aren't great for thriving. Ah, well said. That's that's a nice little that maybe that we should put that on a quote slide this week. Um my, that was, was something that one of my that Katie wrote in mm. her paper. I was like, this was that's a great, mm. greatly put. Surviving like, and thriving. You, sure, sure, that helps you I didn't survive. Die. Right. But but are we moving are we embracing are we embracing what could be? Yeah. Like the, I think there is an implication of imagination and creation that is given with this as opposed to this notion of singularity and yeah. you know binaries and categorizing and, and and finding a few sturdy things to hold on to and cling to that might be comforting but it is not very imaginative. Yes. And no, and and also is probably I would say is at the expense of the other. Yeah. I think sometimes as we're talking, maybe I'm, I'm pretty paranoid tonight for some reason, but like that we either like conspiracy theorists. Cause I'm saying, I said that because it's like, we're questioning the systems, you know, but then another thing too is like, that just came up to me. It's like, hopefully all, we also don't sound pretentious. Like, Oh, I've got this whole non-certainty thing figured out. It's like, no, I, I, I do admit to being a little less scared of it. And I'm actually pretty angry and scared of the singularity element. I'm like, I'm so spooked by that. You know, everybody's like, this is how it is. And I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, come on. You got to admit there's got to be more. Yeah. You know, and I'll speak from the personal for a second. Because to, to, to maybe, I, I I hear you saying like, what if we do some pretentious? And I think there's a chance because we're using a lot of words that yeah. are big and. I, I, big words. I could, I could explain probably more. IFS. But I'll just say for myself, and I, I'll use gender as a metaphor because I think gender is a really apt metaphor for yeah. me in my own experience in that I was born assigned a particular gender at birth, mm -hmm. assigned female at birth, and given expectations that came along with it and given kind of a set of boxes that come yeah. with that expectation. All other kinds of things. I'm just going to hone in on gender as a, as a metaphor. To, to this is great. Later. I'm tracking. And I always felt so confused mm -hmm. like why like what is this trying different things vacillating between what felt heavy quotes right for me for with what was expectations for me trying on different clothing trying on different ways of being that like going between friend groups going between the guys and the girls and none of the places really fitting like I'm not one of the guys and I'm not one of the girls either yeah and and this doesn't work and I just was always pretty confused yeah like generally pretty confused <laughs> and a vague reference point of woman somehow like I guess there's something out there called woman that right I'm no exactly and I was like one day I'll become that yeah. one day it might click yeah and I might become that thing yeah and I think we all have different things like this where we, yeah, that it's we, a great metaphor. we think that we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, by the time I was in fourth grade, was fully confused, but going, okay, I'm going to do what they say. Yeah. I'm like, no longer is it cute for me to be confused. So I'm just going to pretend 
that I get it. And then there's so many rewards. Oh, good. They figured it out. So many rewards. Oh, so yeah. many rewards that, <laughs> yes, exactly. That, that just become habitualized mm-hmm. and they become those sink in. And so for me, like before I even discovered this like psychology of multiplicity, I was already like, I think in many ways, the trans community and non-binary community and queer community in general is, is themselves practicing a living out of multiplicity yeah. and saying like, hey, no, there's more to the story than meets the eye and I am so much more than these categories you put me in. And I mean, honestly, I love the the plurality of they, them pronouns. Like yeah. I think in the beginning, a lot of people being like, well, isn't it a plural? I'm yeah. Like, no, Isn't it's not. No, it's not. But also, sure. Yeah. Like I will embrace that. Yeah. Like I like the implications of yeah. that. I like that it does imply multiple pieces. Yeah. It implies it implies many. Yeah. And I for so long, confusion has been used against me. Mm-hmm. Confusion has felt like oh, a dirty so word. Confused. They're yeah. so confused. They're gonna figure it out. And you know, heavy quotes is just a phase, all kinds of things like that. And now, now, especially that I'm doing a lot of work in terms of like psychological pieces of like, hey, no, like, of course, like everyone is confused. Yeah. I think there's a myth that you're going to someday not be confused. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like life is confusing. You are confusing. You are never going to be complete. You will never <laughs> arrive. So, so might as well stop trying in that futile effort. Might as well embrace what is, embrace the confusion. And I think in the embracing, you find stability. Like not like full on, oh my gosh, such stability. It's not the same comforting stability that you get with certainty. It does feel different. It does have this fluid sense where anything goes potentially. Yeah. But I think you slowly, and I'm saying this as someone who is, like I said, slowly, like I have, even today, you and I had interactions where it was like, ah, "This is this is getting this is getting uncomfortable," and yet, I think we as humans are also really resilient and really capable of traversing mm-hmm. in that. I think I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for hi- handling the confusion, for for figuring it out in the midst of it, and you find so much along the way. Yeah, you discover a lot more along the way in the confusion. It seems like we're just acknowledging what's already there and that we're trying to all daily deny, but we're already, we're already engaging with the complexity, but we're trying to pretend it's not there that we're heading towards some, I mean, it's just so interesting to think that how just this name is the thing we're engaging with tonight. But even with us, it's been there all along. Like I was thinking as you were talking about people telling you there's a certain gender, a certain way or a certain thing you're supposed to be in. Then that, uh, Reggio uh, poem where it's like the child says no way the hundred is there. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, that is such a poem of multiplicity. Yeah, totally. Of like no, and I think we know this when we're younger. Mm-hmm. I think I, w- I think my sense of multiplicity when I was in second grade was really good. Yeah, you're not even, you're not even aware that you're playing with the boundaries. You don't know those boundaries, and you mm-hmm. don't know that there's a self. Mm-hmm. You're just like well, bop, 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 you know, it's expressions, and you can be an animal, you can be uh, a, a, a space explorer. You know, it's like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that there is also this this 
you know, continuing to go on, like, what are the myths of, like, this sense of, you know, when you become a certain age, you're going to grow out of that, and you should grow out mm -hmm. of that, and you should find, you should find who you are. And yeah. We were saying this in the beginning, and I'm, I'm, don't know if that's the case. I don't, I just don't know if, like, I'm, I don't want to lose the sense that I could pretend to be an animal <laughs> right. and imagine what yeah. it would be like to be an animal for a day. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think that that is actually a goal I want for myself. <laughs> right. I love you know, that. it's like, I was told that might be a goal, you know, to, <laughs> to one day heavy quotes grow up and, yeah. and know and, and stop playing. Yeah. And it's like, no, I actually know nope. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to keep <laughs> playing and keep imagining and creating. I love that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think just, I have that, obviously the image of that movie, the Pixar movie inside out. And it's like, you know, there's a psychological insight that they seem to draw out in that movie of like, Oh, there's all these emotions that we're not attending to. Mm -hmm. But what we're kind of saying is like, it's inside out times a million of mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's emotions that you don't attend to like sadness and you got to bring sadness into the room and let it express itself. And, and then also there's just all these different personalities and people with all sorts of different desires and hopes and fears that need to be tended to mm -hmm. or should be tended to, or, or maybe it's fun to tend to them too. It's not just like this laborious, like, you know, it, sometimes I'm sure it's very serious to get some of these exiled personalities back in the room. Right. But maybe sometimes it could be really fun. Right. 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 I mean, I think, I think it's something that someone said recently was like, Oh, like there's a lot being broken open. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it is a breaking open when you start to see these parts. Yeah. Like it's, and I think it's, I think there's even this thing of like, Oh my gosh, there's an infinite amount. And also we've got a lot of life. So in, and the infinite, infinite, of it yeah. implies you'll never get to it all. Yeah. So you don't need to feel pressure to get to every part. Right. Like I think that's, you can't, you can't. Yeah. like that, that also will never happen. Yeah. You never will reach getting. And so that can <laughs> also hopefully that I'm saying this to myself because yeah. I put a lot of pressure on myself that can hopefully relieve some of the pressure to get to every part. Yep. Um, and also, I mean, we haven't really talked about this, but like, we also inside of us carry other people like we internalize other people and they are living inside of us. So like you live inside of me in many ways, multiple yous live inside of me yeah, and vice versa. So what, what is the phrase holy multiple mean to you? Cause everybody, everybody can see it's, it's W H yeah. you know, yeah. holy multiple. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fully like this play on this idea of like holiness, mm -hmm. like H O L Y. Mm -hmm. And I think I have been going, you know, in like my own processing. I made this painting a while back that's in my bathroom now that was processing different pieces of myself. And I landed on writing this word holy grounded with the W. And. I think for me, it implies this sense of wholeness is found in the multitude. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious, yeah. like this idea of a wholeness and a multiplicity. So like there is this element of 
we use the word multiplicity, not the word plurality. Yeah. Which is two. What is plural? Uh, two plural can be more than two. To me, Many. plurality has an implication of frag more fragmented. Okay. Okay. Like plural is just like lots of. Yeah. And multiplicity implies to me this sense of a uh, a web or a complete Ooh. or it being not that it has a boundary, right? But it it has a sense of itself. Yeah. It is not just randomness. Yeah. I like that. It is. It is. Multiplicity seems to imply a bit more of an undercurrent. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm liking this idea of there being an undercurrent mm. in the midst of the multiplicity. So it's it's not just ping ponging, unrelated, unconnected pieces. The pieces are in relation to one another, creating a whole bigger one mm. thing. Mm. They are more than and less than the one kind of thing. Hmm. Dang. Holy multiple. Yeah, there just a, there just seems to be a way that that phrase acknowledges a maybe a container, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a a sense of wholesomeness or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, something benevolent or good or generous or whole healing about multiplicity, you know, not to go too far into it, but <laughs> I think that this is an apt metaphor is to explain this in terms of holy multiple for, for a metaphor for my paper, I use perichoresis, yeah. which won't go too far into, but it is an image of God that is the Trinity. Yeah. Where we see this idea of God being both three and one and throw back to our Trinity episode, go listen, because we talk about perichoresis, mm-hmm. like I think primarily. Mm-hmm. And perichoresis is this notion of of a divine dance of three persons who are within and they're they're pouring out into each other and receiving from each other in a continual infinite circle. So it is this dance of push and pull of many and one. Mm-hmm. It is in the manyness that one becomes created, <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> which is kind of this holy multiple thing of trying to capture capture this paradox. I mean, yeah. it's it is not it is not something that you ever. I don't I don't think you ever come to fully even know this. Yeah. And again, I'll just go on a Christian soapbox thing. Like somebody wrote us an email the other day and said, I might be a Christian anarchist, which I liked. I'd never heard that phrase before, but I was like, sure, I'll take that. Um, But it seems like the, I guess maybe one of the quickest ways I could articulate a takeaway from all my obsession with Peter Rollins over the years is that there is a psychological impulse behind a certain expression of Christianity that's just trying to make something complicated, not complicated like God or the Bible. And it's like, it is so bizarre when you say, okay, look at this giant book, this giant, ancient, hectic, crazy book. And Oh no, but you have figured out. Well, and systematic theology and a book that is also trying to capture in mysterious, cosmic, ever-changing, powerful force. Yeah, and so people don't like that, and they say, actually, the Bible actually isn't that complicated. It can be boiled down to these few verses and this statement of faith, three pages, sign it, do you agree, do you believe? 
do you know do you, and it's like you 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 people <laughs> you know and i've i've been part of this and still in many ways part of this are are i don't know this i've i've been getting into some interesting little conversations with my brother shane about this who's a philosophy professor so it's like he he gets a little offended that i'm sort of what he would call pathologizing disagreement like he's like oh you're just you're just pathologizing somebody that disagrees with you and i'm like well i mean i'm i'm willing to do it to myself so i'm not a hypocrite like you can you can try to unpack the psychology behind my opinions too so it's mm-hmm, not like mm-hmm. i play fair i think um so yeah to say like oh this thing you're doing where you've boiled down a, a big ancient book into uh, three pages of belief statements isn't really about doing good theology, quote unquote, or about following God, quote unquote, or about bringing goodness into the world, quote unquote. It's about taming your fears. Mm-hmm. And does it make mm-hmm. you feel so good that you've simplified this mm-hmm. and that you can form a community around that oversimplification and you can almost bully people into agreeing with you (laughs) and then literally outcast people that can't agree with your beliefs. It's like, man, when you say it in that way, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm working myself up. Right. You start to see it. Right. And I mean, I think even like this, even us coming up and saying the theology, I'm like, well, it's of course coming from my place of, I literally named it of Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I am non-binary and grew up in this world that told me to be a certain thing. And so, necessarily my theology is going to come up and be born out of yeah. that reality. For yeah. Me. Like it yeah. is reflective of myself. It is reflective of my story. Yeah. It is doing something psychological for me. Like it's, it's what I need. For mm-hmm. healing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, I guess in terms of multiplicity, do you have your quote? Cause I keep feeling, I feel like I'm, I'm filling time for you. Oh, your oh, I wasn't like looking for a specific one, but oh, I yeah. feel like I will. I do have one that I think will be good to read. Okay. I guess I'll have, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'm going to share this thought and then hopefully we'll do a quote, <laughs> but I guess we can also wind down, but I'm like, but I think something that has had a big impact on me and even Christianity and my faith is chef's table. You no, know, chef's table has been so formative. I know. Cause I think over and over again, I just see the story, which is, this is how food is done. And then somebody comes along and questions it and look at all the beauty mm-hmm. and enjoyment mm-hmm. that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting how in every dimension and realm uh, in humanity, it's like, these things do become rigid. People say, here are the dishes. Here's how you cook it. You can't think, I mean, why, why, why can't you question food? Right. And then they have to push through all this hate and questioning. And then they become, yeah. And then like, Oh, there's three Michelin star restaurant. But it's like Christianity is set up to do the exact same thing of like, this is how it is. We've already figured it out. Don't right. question. It's like, why, but it can't, can it be so much more interesting and dynamic. And well, and also I'm just like that, that God is dead that you're trying right. to nail down. Right. It's like, I'm so sorry, but you've, you've, you've made God dead. Yeah. And that's well, and they, they talked, they, they dabbled in God today on that podcast too. And it felt very like a lot like Paul Tillich. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, Paul Tillich's big thing, which at least so far has sort of redeemed Christianity for me. But it's like, yeah, your childhood understanding of God at some point does need to die. And then you need to embrace the multiplicity. Mm-hmm. You need to embrace the infinite God at some point, which you cannot define. You can never. Well, no. And that's where like apophatic theology comes in, which is like this idea of in, in that person, Catherine Keller, who was talking about process theology has moved into more apophatic theology, which is saying it's essentially theology of what God is not because God is so right. undescribable that the only way we can understand and come to know is 
by naming what God isn't. Yeah. And like, it, it's almost like it's like negative theology. Yeah. He quotes because, because of the mysterious nature of God. I like that too. I like that better almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have this quote that I think is helpful or right, it's just kind of nice. I have like we'll a see. thousand. I'll give quotes, you a grade on how helpful it is after you reshare. This one seems, this one seems to be good. Um, it's from Lisa Cataldo, who is okay. a analyst. Um, she says, the creative space is not between selves only, but in the space between a sense as multiple and a sense of self as unified and continuous. They are mutually dependent illusions. It is moving between these illusions that gives us a sense of, in quotes, real. The more we were able, the more we are able to be multiple and singular, the more we are able to play in the real world of our experience. And the more we are able to play with multiplicity and unity as possible images of God. Whew, okay. I think you should read it again. Okay. Because if I was listening, I'd be like, I, I was, it it was good? so good. It was so good. I give it an A. I do. I give it an A. I didn't want to give it an A for fun. I wanted to give it like a B. But no, it's, it's a full on A. But like, yeah, I think we should hear it again. Okay. The creative space is not between selves only, but in the space between a sense as I'm going to restart. The creative space is not between selves only, but in the space between a sense of self as multiple and a sense of self as unified and continuous. Mm. They are mutually dependent illusions. Dang. It is moving between these illusions that gives us a sense of real. Ooh. The more we are able to be both multiple and singular, the more we are able to play in the real world of our experience. And the more we are able to play with multiplicity and unity as possible images of God. Bah. How'd you like them apples? This is why I think containers are so important because I think that might be a, a, a comforting word I'd say to anybody that might be feeling anxious. It's like, yeah, we live in a world, we live in a society, we live, you know, it's it's not like we're advocating for people to just treat reality, quote unquote, or relationships like none of this matters or doesn't exist. It's it's just the fact that if you seem, it seems like if you are able to create spaces and containers and call it in, in, any, in any context, you know, art, seeing a movie, going to a museum, those are, those are some basics that you could probably just have in, in the real world. Mm-hmm. But any sort of container where you can attend to these different selves, it, it seems like, I guess, one of the things that I'm probably trying to take away is this idea of, like, it, it's, it's going to help you get along better in the quote-unquote real world. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some people are like, am I just going to be a babbling person on the street talking to myself, schizophrenic? Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's like we have all sorts of stigmas around these things. But Right. Well, and I, I, I've been doing some research, just hearing some voices even that are talking about why do we problematize schizophrenia? Why, like, do we not see that as potentially some kind of, like, insight into yeah. self? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a thought and it's disappeared. Oh, oh, my thought was... I think this is even helpful. I'm saying it's like, it's all illusions. Like we began this by talking about internal family systems and we're like talking about firefighters and exiles and whatnot. It's like, no, of course firefighters don't live inside of you. Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, you don't actually literally live inside of me. And yet 
these are apt metaphors. Yeah. They're, they're, we're, we are always, we're, we're grasping at words and we're grasping at concepts to try and explain they are not actually heavy quotes real, and yet they help us to live in the real. <laughs> right. You know? I, hope, I hope nobody thought we think there's literal firefighters. firefighters <laughs> no, I don't are... think they do, but I think it's helpful even just naming that. Of yeah, like, yeah. no, no, like, we're, multiplicity is, this is just, this is all a metaphor. It's mm-hmm. all trying to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, winding down vibes, I'm just really excited to continue to have this conversation just in my life in general, but obviously on the pod. Mm-hmm. And and everybody, I think if you have any feedback for us on this sort of thing, we're like, this is still always just, I think these episodes are about us dreaming about, I picture... I do picture a retreat that we would do for no small thing someday, but also just sort of maybe following the model of Peter Rollins of him having like three experiences. He, he offers people year round. It's like, here comes atheism for Lent. And that's Mm -hmm. his sort of way. I think of unlocking curiosity, Yes, but it is like some sort of curriculum we offer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And part of that I think would be getting people in touch with their dreams. Mm -hmm. And then another part is like, even that video I sent you today of like cast of characters, like yes, can you yes. get in touch with some characters and that why don't you, of you tell them to the group and yes, yes, make an art project about that, you know? And we, I hope that that gets posted in the mood boards on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, you could IGTV it. That would yeah, be really that'd be really fun. very fun. <laughs> um, okay, should I close with a quote? Let's close with a quote. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I, I I have this quote and I don't know if it's if it's the best one. But we kind of ended on notions of God, and it, it is about God, but I feel like we can replace that with divinity or cosmos for folks who yeah. are into God language. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think this is a fun one, and I think it's I think it, it sends you off kind of feeling. Here we go. This is the end, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I think we can talk about God. I think everybody knows we're not talking about God in a way that we're, like, <laughs> trying to force somebody to have we're a belief or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. This comes from Schneider, and... Um, she wrote a book called Beyond Monotheism, mm. um, which is a really, it's a cool book. That sounds good. If God is love, God cannot be one. Love is a synonym, therefore, for incarnation, just as both are a synonym for divine multiplicity. To follow a God who becomes flesh is to make room for more than one. It is a posture of openness to the world as it comes to us, of loving the discordant, plenipotential world more than the desire to overcome, to colonize, or even to save them. Love, the only ethics imaginable in the theology of divine multiplicity, is a promise, not a threat. It is the presence and presences of the divine, available for encounter if we leave the scripts aside, if we are prepared to have our hearts broken by beauty, awe, and the redemption of responsibility.